Welcome to Off the Clock, a podcast by Procino Wells and Woodland, where we take a team-centered, family-focused approach to serving the estate planning and elder law needs of our community on the Eastern Shore. I'm Michelle Procino Wells, an attorney at Procino Wells and Woodland, and I'm joined today by another one of our attorneys, Amber Woodland. Uh, we are excited to talk about asset alignment and can you trust your trust right. um, today? So let's get started. Perfect. So, and I just want to share. Unfortunately, people listening to the podcast won't appreciate this, but if you're viewing it, you can see it on our website. Amber and I are both rocking out our uh, animal prints today. Very Love stylish. It. So, you know, great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. Super on trend. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just had to share that. Um, but asset alignment. Um, so, you know, we create a lot of trusts in our practice. We encourage our cl- our clients to create trust. But what we have learned over the years is having the trust documents only part of it. Right. You have to make sure that your assets are properly aligned, not only with your trust, but with your planning as a whole. And so we call this episode, Can You Trust Your Trust? So Amber, talk to us about why asset alignment is so important. If you create a trust, you sign that legal document that creates that entity and it's completely empty and the assets haven't been aligned with it, it's going to fail. It's not going to work at death to avoid the probate process or it's not going to do the job of protecting the assets from the cost of long-term care. So we kind of refer to it. Step one is signing the legal document. Step two is funding the trust and aligning the assets with the overall estate plan. Without step two, you might as well have never even done step one. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we often see this as a huge mistake with homemade estate planning um, where, you know, people will create a will, you know, maybe they download it off the Internet or they use one of those online services and they'll leave everything to, you know, certain people. But then they'll have the, the great idea, seemingly, to go to the bank and add, you know, beneficiary designations or TOD or POD, those, those transfer or payable on death designations. And then that messes up the will because the assets are no longer controlled by the will. Um, so, so you want to talk any more about that? Yeah, I do because liquidity is something people forget about that's needed upon their death. We have to make sure that there's cash that funnels through the estate or trust, depending on the estate planning tools that we're using. Otherwise, what money is going to be used to pay final bills like debts and expenses? The risk is if you just go out and name beneficiary designations on every asset, then those beneficiaries receive those assets outright and immediately upon death. They don't have to use that money to pay your final debts and expenses. The worst thing that could happen is the only asset that's part of the estate or trust is a piece of real estate. And then we have no cash that's being pumped in to the estate or trust to cover the expenses related to the real estate until it's sold or until it's distributed or whatever the case may be. So I feel like sometimes, and you probably do too, I remind my estate planning clients that liquidity is super yeah. important and they are like, right, it, it hasn't ever occurred to them. So we caution our listeners and our clients beware there's a proper use of beneficiary designations. There's a proper use of even joint titling of assets. But with a good plan, especially one that includes a trust, we've got to look at the entire list of assets and then we have to know, should they be retitled? Should they have an owner added to them? Should a beneficiary be designated? That way we know no matter what, when that person passes away, the assets pass properly and create liquidity before final distributions have been made. 
Right. And yeah, that whole asset alignment process is is so critical to make sure that the plan works appropriately and that trusts work appropriately. And so with there with there being so many different kinds of trust, you know, the asset alignment process is going to depend on the goal of that trust. Like an asset protection trust might only have the real estate titled in the name of that trust. Right. A retirement account trust might not own anything during the person's lifetime, but might just be named as a beneficiary on the person's retirement account. Right. And then a standard revocable living trust, you really want all of the assets mm-hmm. um, to get funneled into that trust. Mm-hmm. And so I think you said it, we, we do that through looking at titling mm-hmm. of assets, you know, how's it owned and should it be owned and titled in the name of the trust? Or we do that via beneficiary designation. Um, for assets like retirement accounts or life insurance or annuities, those types of assets that that allow for that. Um, I always like to think with a revocable living trust, kind of the general rule is we want all the assets. We're going to talk about the box Mm -hmm. concept in a minute, but we want all of the assets to be controlled by that trust, um, uh, uh, either through titling or beneficiary designation, other than those tax-qualified retirement accounts. So, So let's Let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so we like to talk about trust, uh, you know, like a box. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we're talking about the revocable living trust primarily today. Sure. You know, there's other trusts that have other funding goals, but if you would kind of explain the box concept. Yeah. I draw boxes, I think <laughs> every day of my life, because it is the best way to illustrate how a trust works. And I think we've all had the devastating experience of either talking to a client who's created a trust or talking with their family that where there is a trust and saying, unfortunately, the trust isn't even worth the paper it's written on because there's not a single solitary asset titled in the name of the trust. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we look at if we've created the trust and that's now our entity or our box, we're going to take the steps necessary to go through a client's list of assets and make sure bank accounts, stocks and bonds, CDs, life insurance, retirement accounts, real estate, out-of-state real estate, timeshare interests, business interests, tangible property, all of it is properly aligned with the trust so that the trust is full. We want the trust to be completely full. So if you imagine a box on a piece of paper, we are truly saying these are the assets that are going to go inside the trust. And like you said, sometimes it's done through titling. Sometimes it's done through beneficiary designation. A question that I get a lot and clients have actually given me a hard time of or about over the years is that there's no, you know, well, let me ask you, is there a list of all of the assets that the, that does the trust include a list of what it owns? No. So typically the last page of the trust is an exhibit and it says the trust had initially a dollar, $10, some kind of nominal asset that originally funded the trust. People sometimes think you got to actually change the hands, 10 bucks in order to create the trust. That's not true. It's just on pe- on paper, we have to show that the trust owns something because without it owning anything, it just collapses or it dissolves on it on its own. So initially when a trust is created, it may own on paper 10 bucks, but there otherwise isn't an inventory or any list of assets that are in the trust. You kind of have to keep that separate. You have to keep a list of assets. You've got to understand if they're titled into the trust, if they're payable to the trust. And in, in our practice, as we've evolved, we've put so much emphasis on this process. And sometimes clients say, why do you need to know what my assets are? Mm-hmm. Right. And you 
turn on my financial advisor and we say, we're never going to take the place of your financial advisor, but without understanding what you own, we can never ensure that your plan is actually going to work the way that you want it to work because we put so much time, energy, and attention to that asset list. We actually create asset folios. <laughs> we have Marie dedicated on our team to working with our clients and handholding them through this asset alignment process because we're in the business of creating trusts that work, right? not ones that are empty or not ones where the the client's family will still have to go through probate at some point in the future. Yeah. So many times clients are reluctant to share their asset information with us. And I, I totally understand that. And especially in the beginning until they get to meet us and, and hopefully, um, you know, learn to trust us. Right. But you know, what I always try to really emphasize is your estate planning is all about what you own. Right. You know, so I need to know <laughs> what those assets are to, to do the best plan for you. So right. it's really important, just like your financial, you know, just all those different advisors, um, you know, you really have to disclose um, all the assets. And unfortunately, I've seen situations where I've had clients who passed away, mm-hmm. who after they passed away, I learned about an asset that they owned that they never told me about. I'm dealing with that right now, yeah. where the last asset list I had everything was properly aligned. Four months before death, a new bank account got opened with quite a bit of money in it. And the client just forgot to title it in the trust. And now we have to go through probate for that asset. And I hate when that happens. That is incredibly frustrating and such a waste of time and expense, you know, so, so it really is important to, to make sure that, that people understand this concept of asset alignment and how critical it is, um, to, to, you know, make sure that all of it is considered as part of the planning process. So let's, let's get really down to like the nitty gritty and talk about different types of assets and how you would go about aligning them with a trust. Okay. Okay, So I have a list. Okay. So real estate. All right. (laughs) So we have the box. If we need to get real estate into the trust, that's always done by deed. I think the trap here is timeshare interest. People often don't realize that timeshares have deeds. They don't think about their timeshares as real property interest. What I want to highlight is whether it's your home, whether it's your rental property, whether it's a vacant piece of land, whether it's a partial interest in real estate that you inherited and you own jointly with other family members, or whether it's a timeshare, we have got to know about that. And then we coordinate the deed preparation to make sure that that ownership of real property is now in the name of the box or the trust. Right. Absolutely. Uh, How about bank accounts? Bank accounts are pretty easy. Uh, I've actually gone through this process myself. I have a trust and, and it's a matter of just providing the trust to the bank and asking the bank to retitle the account. So instead of it being Amber Woodland's bank account, it's now Amber Woodland's trust bank account. In most cases, every bank is different, but in most cases, it's a lot like a name change. So when a woman's married, she uses her marriage certificate to change the name on her account to her married name. This process is very similar to that. You walk into the bank, instead of with your marriage certificate, you have your trust, you ask for it to be retitled. Question we get related to this sometimes is, well, gosh, does that mean I need new checks? Mm. Not necessarily. Because in most cases, the account number doesn't change. And as long as the account number doesn't change, and this is a name change only, your checks can stay the same. It doesn't have to refer to your trust on your actual checks. Where it does need to refer to the trust is on the statement itself. So we're, we're talking all today about asset alignment, but we also 
need to verify <laughs> that the asset alignment right. has happened. And for bank accounts, you need to do that by having page one of the statement to see, all right, it no longer says Amber Woodland. It says Amber Woodland's trust as the owner of the account. Right. And I think if you do all your banking online and you don't even look at the statements because you're just checking the activity, you know, every now and then you want to open one of those statements and make sure that it actually reflects the trust name. Because oftentimes on the activity screen, it's not going to show that. There's nothing more helpful to heirs than to have an accurate asset list accompanied by these verifications right. that everything has been checked off right. the list. Right. Well, that's another huge mistake we see people make. They go through the asset alignment process. They send in, or we send it in for them, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beneficiary update on their life insurance. Mm-hmm. And we keep a copy of the signed form that was sent in. And while that's great to have, that doesn't guarantee that the company ever got it right, or that they updated their records or that they updated them properly. Exactly. So having uh, you know something back from the life insurance company on their letterhead that says, you know, our records reflect or printing that off their website or whatever it is, is, is critical and a critical piece of that asset alignment. So let's talk a little bit about investments. And I okay. want to differentiate um, non-qualified types of investments. Mm-hmm. And so when I say non-qualified, you know, I'm referring to some investments like IRAs, 401ks are considered qualified assets, meaning they're tax qualified. And that relates to the federal tax laws. You know, those are the kinds of accounts that you don't pay any tax as the money is invested and it grows. You pay tax when the money is pulled out Mm -hmm. of it, you know, down the road generally. So for non-qualified investments, so that would be where, you know, you've taken money that you've earned, that you've paid tax on and invested it, or you received an inheritance and you took that money and invested it. And it's being kind of taxed as you go, as opposed to tax deferral. So there's non-qualified types of assets, things like stocks or mm-hmm. brokerage accounts, or even you know CDs, mm-hmm. How money do you, what market. Do you, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you what do you do with those? Same thing as regular everyday ordinary checking and savings accounts. They can be retitled, and so it's a matter of providing the trust and asking for the name change. I will say some banks, some financial institutions don't like the name change process. Mm-hmm. Rely on your advisor. To to help walk the bank or the financial institution through the the retitling process because it should be relatively easy. But if it becomes frustrating, don't drop it. You got to be persistent because there sometimes is a workaround. And sometimes we maybe will just leave the account in the individual's name, but we'll name the trust as the beneficiary. And that still can accomplish the same goals where we like retitling better, but if we absolutely have to, we could go the beneficiary designation route just to ensure that that money does someday eventually funnel through the trust. Yeah. I always beg clients to call us. Yes. (laughs) If you're at the bank and they're giving you a hard time or something seems complicated, like don't go home and lose sleep over it. Call us immediately because oftentimes we can get involved. We can either talk to the folks at the bank directly and get it fixed, or if that's not going to be possible, like you said. We, we come up with plan B and we come up with a solution. Sometimes it's something as simple and silly as the trust name is so long it won't fit into the blocks <laughs> in the on the computer program. Right, right. And so then the bank officer says, I don't think we can do this. Pick up the phone and call us because we can abbreviate if we need to. Right. The goal at the end of the day is to get those into the box. Right. Absolutely. So then let's talk about those tax qualified accounts, you know, the ones like the IRAs and the 401ks and the 403bs. And, you know, there's a whole list of all of those. So how do you align those? So tax qualified accounts are kind of 
their own separate thing. And if I'm drawing boxes, sometimes I even put retirement accounts like 401ks and IRAs almost in their own separate box because they have this preferential tax treatment. We don't ever want to retitle a retirement account to a trust name because we've then taken it out of the individual's name and put it in the name of a trust, which means to the IRS, accounts ownership has changed and you've potentially now triggered the taxation on all that deferred growth inside the retirement account. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, (laughs) never ever retitle a tax qualified retirement plan into the name of a trust. Rather, we need to confirm that the beneficiaries are designated designated properly. In a lot of cases, individuals are designated as beneficiaries on retirement accounts. So if a person's married, it would be their spouse. If they have children, contingent beneficiary children, other family members, charities in some cases, that is still considered asset alignment. We are aligning the assets as part of the overall plan. Sometimes, though, we do name trust as beneficiaries on retirement plans. So it's not a name change. It's updating the beneficiary form so that the retirement account money can funnel through a trust. Sometimes it's funneling through a revocable trust. Sometimes it's funneling through a retirement account trust. And we're typically doing that rather than naming individuals because the client has concerns about management of those funds, protection of those funds. And sometimes it may mean paying more in taxes in the long run, but the trade-off is taxes for control. Right. So I mentioned life insurance a minute ago, but talk talk a little more about life insurance. And I think probably could include annuities with that too. Those those sort of non-qualified annuities. There are such a thing as tax qualified annuities, but if they're non-qualified. Right. Yeah. So, so sometimes clients get confused because we're saying on your retirement accounts, name beneficiaries that are individuals in some cases, life insurance, Every single time we are typically naming the revocable living trust as the primary beneficiary on life insurance because we don't have the same tax concerns with life insurance. The nice thing about life insurance funneling into a trust is we know the trust is always going to be there to receive that money. You don't run the risk that the individual predeceases you. You know that the trust is going to be there. It provides that liquidity Mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier. It'll funnel. One claim form has to be completed, which is great trustee accepts the life insurance into the trust upon the trust maker's death. And then that money can be used to pay debts and expenses. Whatever's left of it gets distributed out to the heirs. And then if one of the heirs has died, or if one of the heirs is a minor, or if one of the heirs is incapacitated, you've got all these contingency protective provisions built into the trust to protect that life insurance. So same is true for non-qualified annuities. In a lot of cases, we don't have the same tax concerns. So we're either potentially retitling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, uh, though, we're naming the trust as Uh, the beneficiary on non-qualified annuities for those same reasons. Funnel it in one place and then it gets distributed out according to the trust terms. One thing I've learned is annuities are, you know, can be, there's so many different types of annuities and I never claim to be an expert on annuities. Mm -hmm. So annuities, we often do have to do a little bit more research, Mm -hmm. you know, talk with the financial advisor, whomever, you know, perhaps sold the annuity to the client. Um, There can be some tax consequences with retitling annuities. So we always want to steer clear of that. Um, But yeah, like you said, that's always a little bit where we're looking to see whether it makes sense to 
to, to retitle or to do the beneficiary designation, but oftentimes a little more research has to be done to make that determination. Yeah. There's no like one size fits all. Right. Right. For annuities. Right. Um, how about business interests? Yeah. So if a person has a share in a business is the hundred percent owner of a business, whether it's even a partnership or whether it's an LLC or a corporation, those have value. And if they are not aligned with the trust and the business owner dies, they are potentially subject to probate. I'm actually thinking about you administered a local estate for a business owner. And it was because the wife's interest in that business wasn't aligned with their with their trust plan. And therefore that maybe was the only asset that had to be probated, but it still had to be probated. So right. don't forget about business interest. It could be a fractional interest. It could be the entire interest. Usually getting business interest over into a standard revocable trust is easy. We're either updating stock certificates for corporations or we're assigning an LLC interest over into the trust. We can even do that for a partnership interest. That way there's something on paper that says, no, Amber Woodland isn't the owner. Amber Woodland's trust is the owner. Great. Wonderful. So yeah, so that's a great summary, I think, of how you act, like, what does asset alignment mean? Like, how do you actually do it? So thank you for doing that. And so just to, to wrap up for us today, asset alignment is a huge part of the estate planning process, just as important as creating the documents themselves. Yes. And, you know, when there's a trust, you have to make sure that ownership and titling and beneficiary designations are all part of the plan, which means you have to disclose all of your assets. Um, and you know, that's how you make sure an estate plan works, right? Like you said, we want to create estate plans that work as intended. And the only way that that's going to happen is if the asset alignment is done properly when the plan is created and that it's maintained over time. Yes. Um, because that's a huge mistake. Like you just gave that example of where, you know, person, you know, just shortly before they passed away, opened a new account and forgot all about the trust. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I think we would shout from the rooftops if we could, that estate planning, it's not just a once and one and done thing. It's something that really needs to be a process over time. And certainly as a person gets older um, or if they become ill, but something that a person really needs to be committed to do the best estate planning needs to be committed to, you know, reviewing and updating regularly and not just the the documents, mm -hmm. but really more importantly, reviewing their assets and the ownership and beneficiary designations. That's so, what I was going to say. The, the asset list and then the verifications that it's properly aligned, hands down, the right. most important piece of an estate plan. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Amber, so much for being with me today and helping me talk about asset alignment. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us today on Off the Clock. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at pwwlaw.com. Of course, you can contact us directly by calling 302-628-4140 or emailing info at pwwlaw.com. We're here to help you plan today to protect your families tomorrow. See you next time. Anything discussed on Off the Clock is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. To obtain the most reliable guidance, listeners are encouraged to seek personalized advice from qualified professionals.